Mindset Podcast with Jeannie Lynch, and this is Season 2, Episode 11. So, I'm about ready to open up a can of worms, so stay listening. We're talking today about death. Oh, now that I've got your interest, right? Why is it so taboo when it's the one thing that we will absolutely all experience? So, you're wondering where we go when we die? And do you believe that there's this place or is heaven and hell a state of being? These are the types of questions we'll be asking today and diving into. And you're going to meet Kathy McDaniel. She goes by MK and she has had a near-death experience. She woke up in hell, she transitioned to heaven, and then she came back to tell us all about it. So that beautiful interview, it's coming up next. Before you listen to today's interview, please be advised that some of the topics may be disturbing for people who have maybe suffered a physical or sexual trauma. So we'll we'll call this a content warning. So if not, stay listening and enjoy this interview. Bye now. Hey, Jeannie Lynch, welcome back to my YouTube channel. And I love sharing the beautiful stories, spiritual stories, spiritual modalities, and teaching you intuition and teaching you ways to help heal yourself. And I will tell you, there's nothing that helped me heal more after the passing of my daughter when I started to explore spirituality. In fact, you can check out my whole channel. My whole channel is based on everything that I'm learning and continuing to learn. Well, today we're going to talk about a woman who had a near-death experience. And she actually got to the other side, and let's just say it wasn't all light and fluffy clouds. She had this experience where she believes she was in hell. She found her way through hell to the other side and then was told to come back. And as you guessed it, she has a message to share. I love this topic and I love the idea that we create our heaven. Remember a year ago, I posted a video and I'll put that up here. And we also experience our hell, whether there or here. Hmm, that's the conversation we're having today. So stay listening, stay watching. That interview is coming up next. Yay! Thank you so much for accepting an invitation today to talk. So whether the audience is listening to us on podcast or on my YouTube channel in HD Color, we certainly will acknowledge the audience first and say thank you for being part. So today, I just have to set my audience up a little bit. I love your topic. Now, they don't know what it is yet, so this will be the hook, too. We're talking today about a near-death experience, and you're going to share with us, you know, how what that experience was and take us through all the things that it taught you and kind of where you are today and what you're doing with this beautiful, we'll call it a modality, because it's an experience. And I have this beautiful list on my YouTube channel called Spiritual Stories Worth Sharing. And I put that little cue out on our podcast group and you quickly responded. And I looked briefly over your notes, which you're gonna explain in a minute, and I knew I had to have you on. So, yay, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? I don't know you, so you we get to learn and the audience gets to learn you together. So welcome very much. Well, thank you, thanks for having me. 
Yes, um, I started off with a fairly normal life, I think. My dad was in the Navy, so we moved every two and a half to four years, which is a little tough for children growing up. You never get uh, a, a band of friends that you can hang on to. So that was a little tough. And then finally, we ended up on the West Coast in a, in a wonderful resort town, and that's where my dad retired. So that was that was wonderful. I was in high school at the time. So I stayed there for about 35 years and had a business. I was a property manager. I started my own business. And then uh, my former fiance, someone I was very much in love with for a long time, but he was being transferred to the East Coast and I couldn't give up my life and go there because he was already a workaholic and it was going to get worse. So anyway, he how called me. How, how old are you at this place in your I life? I was about uh, 50. Okay, so you hadn't been married yet. You're fifty. Uh, no, okay. I had been married twice. Okay, and divorced twice. Okay. I was a single mom, raised two kids, put them through college. So I, you know, got it. I, okay, I've been I, a doer. I thought, I thought maybe mm-hmm. the first love came around and you were like, "No, I can't go." And I'm going, "Wait a minute, you jumped on me." Okay, <laughs> so I want to no. follow your timeline too. So at this point in your life, you're around fifty. The man yeah. goes to the other side. You decide you got to stay because of yeah. how rooted you were in that community. Okay, we're back. Right, right. And and so a couple of years went by with him on the East Coast. And then he called me and uh, said, I kind of come out and see you. I've got something to tell you. And I thought, oh, great. What's that? What's going on? Because we'd stayed in touch. He was still yeah. my best friend. And he had uh, leukemia. He, uh, yeah, I about fell out of my chair. I said, what? And he, because he was only 51. Oh. And I said, well, criminy. And he says, I need, I need some help. I'm, I'm going to Seattle and I've got a, found a, a research hospital and there's nothing more the doctors can do for me here. So they're going to, I'm a guinea pig, but it, something might work. And so um, long story short, up I went, I dropped everything and went up there and it was only going to be three to five months. It was, you know, um, in, in, Luckily, I had just sold my business, so I, I was a little freer. And But by the time I got up there, uh, there was another caregiver, so there was three of us. And day and night for, well, it was almost eight months, uh, it was trauma, just trauma. He would get better. He'd go to bed at night. He'd wake up bleeding. His nose is bleeding. They couldn't stop the bleeding. We'd get him back to the hospital. We lived only a block away. So help so me we, understand too, like what your place is in this. Are you going out there to help care for him because he is a terminal illness and he, you know he's passing or are you going out trying to help save his life? Try and, and save him. Okay, got try it. Try and save him. They said yeah. he had an X percent chance of making it if they got the right concoction of drugs. And if not, then, oh, well, this, this he helped maybe down the road, finding a, a better solution for other people. So it was, uh, it what was a sacrifice. Iffy. Can I just acknowledge what's his name, by the way, or what, what is his name? Patrick. Okay. So I just got to, I want to take a second just to acknowledge Patrick. I know somebody in my experience who, you know, wife died of a similar, not similar, but cancer and it got to a point where there was nothing more they could do. And she basically, and I know this sounds a little off, but I think it's what you're saying. She donated herself. She knew she was going to pass. She donated herself and the studies to other people. So she mm-hmm. continued to take the treatment and be sick and, you know, thinking yeah. that possibly it could help someone out. So it That's sounds what like. That's what he did. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. 
It was very, it was very, he was that way, you know, he was just that way. So uh, he died and I was exhausted and freaked. I really didn't expect him to die. And um, I caught a flu that was going around, which is similar to the COVID thing. And in very quick order, within a matter of days, I was... um, in the hospital, I had gone to a dock in a box. I stopped, my vitals stopped. They resuscitated me, got me to a hospital, uh, threw me in, put me in oxygen. That wasn't working. They called my family, said she's really sick. Uh, we're going to have to put her in a coma and put an in, you know intubator and and try and it's it's called lung failure. It's um acute respiratory distress syndrome, which is ARDS. At the time, I had a 38% chance of making it. Oh I was gosh, healthy yeah. to that point, but I was so, so anyway, I'm, I'm going, what, what, you know, and, but I'm sick as a dog. I mean, yeah. I've never been that sick. Let obviously. me ask you, let me ask yeah. you too, at the time, cause you had just cared for him. And we all know that caring for someone can sometimes have ill health on us. Right. So right. are you, is your immune system down at the point and stuff? Cause you were doing all that caring for him and yes. now, now you're sick and okay. Yes. That, that helps. Yeah. I, I, no sleep, you know, yeah. no, no yeah. sleep for more than a couple of hours eating at uh, irregular times and the, and the stress, Got terrible it. stress. So, yes. So they said, okay. Um, my family was there. They said, we've got to put her in a coma and so she can breathe and we'll figure it out as we go along. Because at that time they didn't, they didn't know much about, most people died. Your lungs fill up with liquid, turn to cement, you die. I mean, uh, there was no medication they could find to give you. So anyway, I, I didn't know any better. I said, uh, sure. Uh, and they said, look, we're going to give you something called white amnesia. You're not going to remember a thing. You'll be comfortable. You'll just go to sleep and you'll wake up and you'll be fine. So I said, all right. And my dad gave me the thumbs up from outside the window there. He was the last one to say goodbye. I gave him a thumbs up and boom, I'm gone. Well, I woke up somewhere. I thought I was in a closet. It was completely black. There was no sound. And I thought, what is going on? I don't know where I am. And uh, the scene kind of morphed. It, uh, it got to be kind of this reddish glow and and hot and I could hear people moaning and shrieking. I thought, oh, maybe the hospital, maybe. Um, And then finally this voice boomed out of nowhere and said, do you know where you are? Uh, I thought this can't be good. And I thought, I hope I'm wrong. And I just said, hell? And booming laugh comes out like a Bella Lugosi and it scared uh, you know what out of me. I turned in the darkness, not knowing where I was or if I was standing on anything and ran. So that started out my experience on the other side. Uh, It was one in which I never knew I was dead. I just thought I was not in Kansas anymore. I I was running for my life from demons and and, uh, terrible situations. They would put me in these terrible situations where I had to do something which was against what I would have done on earth, you know. And you knew that in this place, you knew it was against you. It was real. And, yeah. It was real. This was not a dream. I really 
was really someplace else. And so it went on and on. And long story short, it's all in the book. I had to write it all out. Uh, It felt like about two years. I was in this terrible situation, this terrible place. And they would tell me, just despair. You're not getting out of here. This this is what your existence is going to be like. And I'm a fighter. And I said, no. I'm not going to buy that. I'm I'm going to get out. It, it it may take a while. I was very tired and I was starting to lose hope. And I, I had said to this demon woman who was with me and a bunch of other ladies in a very bad situation. Yeah. I said, you know, this feels like a particularly bad place. Uh, you know, feeling today. I, I I don't know. I've been here a long time, but somehow there's this heaviness. What's going on? And she says, oh. On earth, it's Christmas. It's always the worst day in hell. And I thought, boom, all these lights go on. And I I was just freaked. And so I, I felt, all right. So I started singing away in a manger. I knew it. It was Christmas. And I just, that's my favorite song for Christmas. And, and that the demon lady was not happy with that. She yelled, stop it. And, and the other ladies, one at a time, started singing the song, too. And she, the demon lady, is not happy. So finally, it gets to the part where it's the little Lord. And all of a sudden, she shrieks and comes at me. And it, down there, I would just put my hands over my eyes, and I'd find myself in another situation. But this time, it was light. It was, it was beautiful light everywhere. And I had this feeling of, of love and bliss and I was joyful and happy and everything that had gone before in hell was erased from my mind. And I looked around and there's my friend, Patrick. No. I noticed that he looked wonderful. He looked younger. He was actually wearing a sweater that I'd purchased him for Christmas. And he was smiling ear to ear and I was so happy. And I realized that if he was dead, then I was dead and that I was in heaven and we were going to be together and, and he was going to show me things. And he hesitated and then just said, Mary Kay, which is what he and my dad always call me. You've got too much left to do. And I thought, what? That doesn't sound good. And I remembered looking over at the, at the, behind him was like this architect's table with this huge book open. And I remembered all of a sudden he had said, he was telling me what was in this book. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. That's going to be too hard. I want to stay here with you. Okay. And that's, that went through my mind as he's saying, you have to go back. And I just said, no. And I stomped my foot again in heaven. Your soul is you, you know? So I, I found that out later because I was never not me. I found myself kind of wandering down this beautiful stream, uh, heading back. I think maybe God was cooling me off because I was very angry. And once I got there at the bottom of the stream, I talked to a couple of people who told me what to say to somebody when I got back. And boom, I wake up, I can't move, it's hot. I'm looking around and there's my family. It's dawning on me who these people are who are going cheering and, and, and clapping their hands and stuff. And, and I thought, where am I? And then I thought, oh, 
oh no, oh no, I'm just so mad. And they were just telling me now, mom, you've been really sick. You've been gone for three weeks and you know, you're gonna be better. And turns out I weighed 86 pounds and here's rotating in my little brain, you've got too much left to do. That was like a really bad joke. Uh, uh, I thought I can't even move. How am I gonna get all this stuff done so I can go back home? And that's what heaven is, it's home. So it was uh, a little tough after that. It was it was terrible. So I much I had, so much is in there. So much is in there. So I want to kind of pull it back a little bit so my audience can follow this because I've done a lot of studies on what you've just said. So you mirror so much. I was always amazed in this story because you know there's so much information out there. You can Google this, you know, near death experiences and spend the rest of your life listening to people <laughs> like you tell these stories. And what, what what fascinates me is they have a lot in common, but yet everyone's experience and perception, just like in our life, is so different. So right. I want to just ground or tie to some things that you said. Um, I was praying once after my daughter passed for hope and help <laughs> to get through the day, okay? And one of the things that God answered in a prayer was he, he God, whoever, sent me somebody like you who had an experience. He said almost word for word. He didn't have to go to hell first in his scenario, but he was mad when he got back. He was in my office at work crying, telling me the story. And I was like, are you sad? And he goes, I just missed the place. I, it's so hard to come back to this after you've experienced that. And that's where I want to kind of go from here. So you learn so much. Did you go right into a depression after, or is it because you're not well that you could take me there? Cause when you said it was hard and I want to go there. Um, once I knew I was back, I said, I'm going to get my life back. If I'm going to be here, I'm not going to end up in a convalescent home the rest of my life. Cause I had, Oh, overheard the doctor say, we don't know how brain damaged she is. Got it. Uh, she probably won't be able to drive or hold a job. Um, uh, maybe not walk. We just don't know. And that made me mad. And I thought, no, yeah. if I've got to get all this stuff done, I'm going to get my life back. Well, that started with uh, uh, convincing the insurance company that I was worth a month of their money to go to a, a physical rehab facility or just be left to die in a convalescent hospital. That took some doing. And I had to try and convince this lady as I lay there in my bed, unable to move. So they gave me a month and uh, week by week, I had to report, the doctors had to report if I did not make great progress every week off to the convalescent hospital. So okay. I was a lady on a mission and it, I did everything I possibly could just before I was supposed to be let go, uh, one of my lungs had collapsed while I was uh, in, you know, dying, and they had managed to pry some of it open. So I still I had a pretty bad left lung, and now the right one started to collapse a couple of days before I was supposed to leave. So they had to put a tube in my my chest. I was awake, and it was awful. And I kept saying to God, you know, if you really got all this stuff you want me to do, you're gonna have to give me a hand yeah, here. Light up on me, <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. I need some help. So I finally got out and uh, I- How long I were you could, in? Two out, you know? Four months. weeks. Okay. okay. Four weeks in a hospital. Say, but okay, four weeks. 
Yeah, I had to get it all together. And I, but they would let me out when I hit a hundred pounds and uh, the nurse had to step on the scale. I couldn't make a hundred. So she let me out. And so I was very weak, needless to say. I was, I got my life back. And then the depression started pretty much uh, after that, when I was home alone with my thoughts. Got it. And so I thought, I didn't know what had happened to me. I had never really heard of near-death experiences. So I thought, I'm a writer. I've always been. And I and I, I just started writing it out. I thought, if I could just get it on paper, maybe I can get it out of my head because maybe it was just a bad dream. But I knew it wasn't. Long story short, again, I finally, through synchronicities, found IONS, the International Association of Near-Death Studies, in Seattle. That's yes, where they had the main. Right there, yeah. yeah, it was an hour away from me. Um, and you're you're big on intuition. Um, the voice is something that people hear a lot more strongly when they come back. It's usually that yes. little little thing in your head that says, oh, I don't know if you should be doing that or not, but yeah. it gets really strong when you get out okay. and it insisted that I go up and go to these meetings. I mean, it would not stop. And so I did first one. I thought all these people just went to heaven. Nobody else went to hell. I don't belong here. And so it was a month later when I said, I'm not going back. And the voice says, oh yeah, you are. And you need to meet somebody. And that was fun. I did meet somebody. And I told her, I said, geez, I was supposed to meet you today. She says, oh, I know. And I said, now, how did you know? She says, well, didn't you hear the voice? The voice told me. And I, she says, oh, that's all right. You'll get used to it. So that was kind of fun. And so the more I went, the more I learned. And I found only, oh, two or three people that have written books about this dark they called it dark and or, or distressing. Near, near what year are we in now? Because um... oh, this is about eleven years later after my experience. I have been fumbling about. So let's do that. Let's go to your book. Then is your book about this whole story? And how long ago did you write the book? I know you're kind of like out in the community now. This is why you're podcasting and meeting with me to talk about this book. So because it's so much of what you're doing right now, can. I will put all the links for people listening and watching to all your social media links. So no one, ha you don't have to say that because they'll be in the description below, but take us through what your book's intention is, where you can get the book and what are you doing with the book now that it's written, please. Um, yes, I finally decided to write the book. Somebody at the conference, and in addition to Nancy, who was a medium, I didn't understand about mediums either, says, you need to write a book. And I said, oh, hello. <laughs> so I did. And it took uh, quite a while. Uh, it was published last June. Got it. And uh, it's called Misfit in Hell to Heaven Expat. I was the misfit in hell because I wouldn't do what they told me. And all of us are heaven expats. An expatriate is somebody who uh, lives in one country and then goes to another country to do their work. And when they get the work done, they go home. So we all start in heaven, which is what I found out. I've never heard that Earth. term before. Is, is that your term or is that actually oh, no, a that's, term, a that's, term? That's in the vernacular. Yeah, an expatriate. They call them expats. Okay. So we're we're all heaven there. expats. So that's what the book is. A misfit to hell to have an expat. And it's on Amazon. And I have a, 
uh, website with the same uh, www and then the name of the book. Okay. How to have an expat. So are you working with people today? Tell me what you're doing. Are you in service to other people? Do you have a business that supports people through this process in any way? So yes. you've been there. People are going to want to know. Right. What can you offer them in your light and your understanding of the other side? Take us there. That's great. You don't have to go to hell. Period. Uh, uh, it's very obvious now, and anybody who's been there, that God is just total love. He is very forgiving. Uh, he would never condemn anybody. And after all these years, I uh, and figuring it out, talking to other people, I created my own hell. Being a Catholic, I was taught from day one that most people, maybe not Mother Teresa, but most people will go to purgatory before they go to heaven because you have to have your sins burned off before you can appear in purity before God. And I bought that and I live my life understanding that that would happen to me. And so I believed it and I was not disappointed. I got to go to purgatory and It was only later when I found out I didn't have to go. So nobody has to go. And that's the subtitle of my book. It says very clearly on the cover, (laughs) Lessons from a Dark Near-Death Experience and How to Avoid Hell in the Afterlife. This is why I've been set back. I have to stop you there, too, because I do the medium work, right? So Mm -hmm. I know a lot of what I believe I know whatever mm-hmm. that means, right? We're, we're, I say the information that comes through is that, and you said it when you said, we create our own heaven, you know, our understanding is perception, right? So if we believe like you did, and, and guess what? I was brought up the same way. So I, 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 my joke is I'll be in therapy for the rest of my life being brought up Catholic because I have had to <laughs> reprogram my brain to be more expansive than the confines. And I'm not, please don't start commenting below about, you know, cause I believe in God and Jesus and all that. I don't want that to be anything on my newsfeed, but I do want to just mm-hmm. say that in my experiences, it was, it was just so contained. My Catholic belief was just so contained and there was so much more out there. So you also had that experience and this is what your message is that you chose to go to hell. But I believe when you were telling your story that you were there so you could come back and say, there's a choice and you don't have to go there. And I love that. That's that's right. And if when they read the book, you can see the hellish experiences that went on in my life when I was here were almost taken down there and and says okay this is what hell feels like let's do it again but in a bigger bigger way uh, yeah it's so it's, um so it's here's nice a question. not to worry about that here's a question I, I say that the one gift my daughter gave me when she left was that i'm not afraid to die i think we're all afraid to end up with covid lung cancer you know what and have to suffer through it right so everyone i mean we're in a physical body and we understand why that would be upsetting yeah that i'm trying to get to the point of the fear about it i know what i know about the other side so here you are you had to go through that whole process of integration coming back and getting back into your body and sharing your message and writing it up are you looking forward to the day that you do go back? Are you <laughs> are you back in your body and now we're back to being afraid to die? Or where are you with that? Just curious. That's interesting. I'm um I'm a human being again. 
So part of me, that little 1% is still saying, oh, Lord, do you think you're going to have to do that again? But the 99% says, no, I'm going to I'm going to straight shot it, as my sister says, I'm going to straight shot it back. And I had something fun happen with my dad when he passed away, because for the last many years since all this happened, he and I had quite a few conversations. So just before he passed, I got to talk to him a little bit. And I, I, when he was, I could talk to him on the phone, you know, and I said, what are you going to do when you get to heaven, dad? And he said, fly. And I says, great. So he was in a good space. Uh, Again, nobody likes to die. So I heard later after he did pass, when they called the next morning, they said that uh, dad was going and is having trouble breathing and and, and he was kind of anxious. And then um, and, and all of a sudden he stopped and he looked up at the ceiling and he got this big smile and he closed his eyes and passed. And so all of the people that saw him said something happened. He somebody came and got him and then. My medium friend, uh, I'll shorten it up how she found out. But yeah, it was his mom and his sister who came. Oh, I just love that. Yeah, I love your I love what you're saying, too. And for the audience who's listening, you know, goes back a couple interviews ago, I said to somebody, you know, were you prepared for this loss that you had in her in your life? And and she said, you know, the time to prepare for loss is before loss. (laughs) (laughs) you know and same for the spirit or the soul who's leaving so um i sat with a man for years bill i mean the family knows i did a lot of end of life stuff with him we did an end of life interview and like you with your dad we have many conversations about where he was going and what it was going to be like and and i have him on video actually saying we're down at the jetties where he used to be with his wife and have coffee i said is this going to be your heaven is this, is he goes, yeah, this would be good. This is a pretty good place <laughs> to start. And that just brought so much peace to us, right? So that, cause we know that he knew. And so that's the message today. And I have to apologize because I had this whole list of interview questions. <laughs> I have not asked one, okay. <laughs> and, and yet this conversation just totally flew and it was exactly what I wanted it to be, which is, opening up the door to anyone who's listening, the idea that there's more than just this life, that now is the time to start preparing and that to do the investigation and to learn about what's out there beyond our religion or the rest of it so that we can be prepared and just live life fully. Do you agree? Oh, yes. I love that. Yeah. So let's see, is there anything else I want? Do you have anything else that you can think of that when you knew I was going to do this interview today, you wanted to make sure mm-hmm. got said? And is there something that is your platform and you want people to know? I think you said it when you say we have a choice of hell and heaven when we get there. But is there something else that you could um, leave us a spiritual message for the people who are listening before we move into our rapid fire? (laughs) Yeah, uh, what I found out was uh, that in talking to a lot of the Ions people, too, that we we really start off in heaven and we come down to earth on purpose. We choose our lives. We choose the people that are going to be in it. We choose our challenges, all these things that we want to learn while we're here. So all of us have chosen our lives. And what that did for me is to change my conversation with God of 
Why do you keep doing these things to me, God? Why did I lost a daughter? Why did all these things? Now I say, oh, I chose that. There must be a lesson here. And I don't feel like a victim anymore. I think that's the most freeing thing of all. I have to tell you, I just finished writing a book with 20 other women. And my message in that book, which is coming out July 30th, is we wanted the experience you know so i just want to i want to i want to mirror what you said but dig a little deeper to it too i think that we hear you know life lessons and how many lessons and what'd you learn and you know like god's school is this tumultuous thing that we have to get through <laughs> to endure and then we can make it to the other side but i think what what what's deeper than that and what you're saying is that we're here not just to learn the lesson of it but to experience it that mm-hmm. when we're in love and we're making love those are two totally different things when we're making love we're feeling love when we're Mm -hmm. showing up in compassion and we're being kind to another human being they're receiving that act and they're they're feeling that we need a physical body to feel it so that's another question so i can dive in with you because you're an expert at this do you feel the Uh same way when you're there or does it is it minus the physical body I don't, the body to me is like a car. Now I, I, I'm in the car, I'm not the car, but my spirit, me, is me. And if I'm in a body, then I, I feel, I feel, I, I, I touch, I smell, I do all those things. But the real me uh, is the same in heaven. I, I didn't, I didn't even, you don't know you're dead. <laughs> it's yeah. just that simple. So many people needed to hear that too. Um, I went through the whole post-traumatic stress after my daughter died and I started flying out involuntary out of body. And as mm. you know, out of body and OBEs and EBOs, they're, they're so, they're slated to be very similar acts in the sense that the cord isn't cut. I know the cord is never cut. That's a wrong way to say it, but you get further, you got further than I've ever gone, but I've been out of my body record times, documented it, could finally get to a point where I could do them on my own, like go into a meditation and fly out. So like you, I know what I know. And I know what I saw is never anything that I saw in a movie. I I don't have those, I don't have that (laughs) brain to tell you what I saw. Did you have that experience? Oh, yeah, we've got this little tiny human brain and this so huge out there. It's a wonder we can learn as much as we do. Yeah. So I loved meeting you today. Thank you. I do. You You are absolutely a light. And I loved reading. So everybody who's listening or watching, (laughs) reach out, comment below if you have questions. I'll ask you too. you know, when this shows up on YouTube and then turns into a podcast, I like a lot of engagement with people commenting and stuff. So I'll be sharing that information people can reach right out to you your links will be below and um i think that sounds great are you ready to roll into rapid fire sure okay let's do this this is where it's fun the music's kicking up we got to end thank you so much for being on today i truly do appreciate your time so we're going to go through some questions and they happen fast what is your favorite spiritual book or teacher just one uh, Course of Miracles. <gasps> did you do all that work? They had a, the, a bridge version. I did that one. <laughs> if you were going to change the world today, the world needs what in order to be changed? Kindness. Agreed. 
If we all come here with a life lesson, we talked about this in our interview, what do you think your life lesson has been? Probably to be less judgmental. We could all learn from you, thank you. And what do you love about yourself? Uh, I am open-minded. Love that. And what are you doing, Kathy, when you're experiencing absolute joy? Crying. Okay, Tears of joy. Tears of joy. Uh, and anyone, <laughs> if you're listening out there, you needed to hear that today. If you're grieving a loss of a loved one, why are you grieving? They're right there with you, maybe not physically. So grieve the fact that you can't emotionally touch them. I get that. But just know that they've never left your side. Would you mirror them? Oh, yeah. Okay. They're right there. So let's say goodbye to everybody. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs> So when you make it to the other side, do you think you'll hang out here in your heaven? You think this will be your heaven? Could be. <laughs> I couldn't think of a better place. That's awesome. <laughs> hey, thanks for listening to today's podcast. And if you enjoyed it, you would love my YouTube. 330 different videos out on my YouTube channel. The links are in the description all around spirituality. So catch you out on YouTube and certainly next podcast. Bye now.